And so I felt if I could do well at this, then there's nothing that I can't do well at in life in general. Because Survivor is a game of relationships. It's one big 39-day networking event. It's how you can sell yourself and your ideas to the other people. What you just heard was some uh, tribal music may be familiar to you. It is from the hit TV show Survivor that has lasted more than 40 seasons. Been on a real long time, a couple of decades. In fact, my wife and I have watched every single episode. We are Survivor junkies, and that's why I'm excited to let you know that our guest for uh, this week's Run the Race podcast, which we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis, is Ethan Zahn, one of the all-time favorite Survivor contestants. He won uh, Survivor Africa. And uh, season three, um, back uh, in 2001, hard to believe it's been that long, right? And uh, he was a pro soccer player before that. And uh, But he uh, he went on and has played Survivor three times, including 2019, Winners at War, where he lost. Um, but he has also uh, beaten cancer twice as well. So uh, he, he's won a Survivor, uh, won against cancer, and uh, is going to be talking about some great things today. In fact, uh, one of the main things he's talking about is the fact that in less than a week from now, he is going to run the Boston Marathon near kind of where he grew up in Massachusetts, all uh, as a way to celebrate being 10 years in remission from the rare blood form, form of blood cancer that uh, he overcame twice. So congratulations to Ethan Zahn. Uh, he was uh, generous with his time uh, talking to us. And uh, um, later in this podcast, speaking of races and marathons, I just ran uh, my uh my 21st marathon in my 18th state. This was in Missouri. My son and I drove up for spring break up through Tennessee and Memphis and Nashville, but we went to St. Louis, Missouri, where I ran a marathon about a week ago and uh, ended up being my fastest. Uh, so uh, uh, later on this podcast, after you hear my conversation with uh, Survivor uh, former contestant Ethan Zahn, I'm going to give you a quick recap of what it was like in St. Louis for uh, now my fastest marathon so far. So uh, looking forward to to talking to you about that. But uh, first, you know, I talked to Ethan, uh, Ethan Zahn, not only about the, the hit TV show Survivor and beating cancer twice in the Boston Marathon, but also about just mental strength and his faith and, and also now how the fact that he's a holistic cannabis wellness advocate, how he uses uh, CBD to really kind of overall for his wellness. And um, he's, uh, you know, at 35 years old, he's now 48, but he was a Survivor fan favorite. And, and, and in his mid-30s, he got this rare form of blood cancer. It was, is the official name is CD20 plus Hodgkin's lymphoma. So once again, he's been 10 years in remission, and uh, he is hoping to reach the finish line of the Boston Marathon to inspire others that are battling cancer. But he actually ran the Boston Marathon uh, almost a decade ago, uh, one year removed from cancer, but uh, he couldn't finish because at uh, two miles before the finish line, they pulled him because that was the year of the terrorist bombing. So Ethan talks a little bit about what that experience was like, uh, that very hectic, chaotic time. And, uh, you know, he's faced a lot of challenges in his life, you know, immunity challenges on the TV show and tribal councils, but a lot more in real life as well, uh, like he experienced in uh, the 2013 uh, Boston 
Marathon. Um, his dad actually ran the Boston Marathon, but unfortunately he has passed away from cancer years ago. And uh, Ethan Zahn is partnering with uh, uh, Active Against Cancer, that's A-K-T-I-V, Against Cancer, which talks about um, the importance of uh, exercise and fitness when it comes to overcoming cancer, really anything in life, just the importance of fitness that we talk about on a regular basis here on the Run the Race podcast. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the one and only Ethan Zahn. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Ethan Zahn, for uh, for joining us today. Uh, and I, uh, first, I want to tell you that that I am a huge fan of Survivor. My family and I have watched uh, literally every single season since the beginning, and you were in the front end of that. So, uh, so it's great. In fact, you know, I've I've had about a hundred episodes at the podcast. And when I told wow. my family and my wife, you know, who I was talking to today, they were like, oh, they, I don't think they get excited about anybody else, but, but Ethan's on. So uh, thank you so much. <laughs> well, tell them thank you. I appreciate that. I, yeah. I couldn't have done it without their help cheering from the couch all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we're going to talk about, you know, Survivor Africa and you going back on the show as well and being a former pro soccer player and, and um, beating cancer twice, which, uh, you know, that... That is a, a bigger win than Survivor, obviously. Um, but yeah. first, you know, um, our, our, our show is called Run the Race. And, uh, you know, we were just talking off, uh, Mike, about how you're about to run the Boston Marathon. Uh, when this podcast comes out, it'll be just less than a week until then. So, uh, and you're celebrating being cancer-free for a decade. So are, are you ready for, for Boston Marathon? I mean, you, you've run other races like this before. I'm definitely ready for Boston. I feel like everything in my life has been leading up into this point because one, I'll be celebrating 10 years in remission from a rare form of blood cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And in addition to that, I'm partnering with True Leave Cannabis to be the brand ambassador for Momenta. Um, so I'll be running the race while medicating on Momenta products. And to wrap it all together, I'm also uh, working with a organization called Active Against Cancer. And their mission is to ensure that exercise is an integral part of cancer treatments. So it's just this big, beautiful moment that I'll be doing on April 18th. And I'm just so excited. Wow. So are you, do you have any kind of goals in terms of time or just to kind of keep running the whole time, anything like that? So I do have a lot of goals. One is to finish because last <laughs> time I ran the race was actually in 2013. Yeah. It was one year after cancer. So I was celebrating one year in remission, but unfortunately that was the year of the terrorist bombings. So I was pulled off the course at mile 24. And so I'm just excited. Another reason to go back to Boston. I grew up around the corner in Lexington, Massachusetts. So to be able to travel back to Boston, my hometown, run the race again, you know, 10 years after that horrible experience with the terrorist bombings and to do it for something much bigger than myself, active against cancer is just a, it's a, it's a gift. It's a blessing. Yeah. And just to kind of tap into that a little bit, what was that like? You know, I guess nine years ago, you know, you've got, you know, two or three miles left in this epic race. Uh, what were you, what were you thinking when they kind of said, you know, you're done, you can't finish? Well, at that moment, I didn't actually know what was happening. You know, I was two miles away, mile 24. So realistically, I was about a 20 minute 
run from the finish line and we heard something but no one really knew what that was so we just kept going we just kept running and racing and finally you know people you know told us what was going on but at first i was obviously concerned for everyone in that area near the finish and how that affected them i was actually running at that marathon with an organization called grassroots soccer and we had five members in the race one of our members was actually just crossed the finish line when the bombs went off you can see him wow. in all the videos, all the CNN and MSNBC videos of the footage. He's right there. So just the fact that making sure all our runners were safe, that everyone in Boston was doing okay. But yeah, it was, it was a really scary moment, you know, getting home from the marathon. You know, I didn't get home until like nine at night and everyone was stranded and you're on lockdown. So it was a really scary experience. Um, and you know, when you have a marathon, this is a beautiful event where people from all walks of life, all over the world, are coming together to run for something. Many of them running for different charities. It was just a huge, I, I don't know how to explain it. it. Unexpected, another moment I could survive something, I guess you could say, but, uh, being there was, was definitely scary, but just more yeah. of an inspiration to be able to come back and run it and actually finish it. Yeah. And, and take me back, you know, uh, as well, you know, this, uh, you know, you've been uh, now a decade in remission, cancer free, um, you know, uh, take me back to, you know, when, when you, when you had cancer, what, what was that like? And kind of looking back on it as you've gained all this wisdom over the last, you know, maybe 15 years since then. So I was 35 years old when I was first diagnosed with cancer. And in fact, I was actually training uh, for the New York city marathon at that time. Wow. And I had some really itchy skin. I tried every, every pill and cream lotion known to man. And it wasn't until I swollen lymph node popped out of my neck and they found a six centimeter by 12 centimeter mass in my chest that I was finally diagnosed with this blood cancer, you know, but it's cancer is an interesting thing. Like at that time, you know, there was a lot of, I don't know. I had a lot of support. There's a little bit of this weird excitement and like confidence that I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to get through it. I'm a fighter. I'm a survivor. And the doctors are incredible. My family, people are sending me gifts. The fan support was unbelievable. That was great. But there was this like energy around it. However, 20 months after uh, my first stem cell transplant, I relapsed and the cancer came back. And at that time it was a debilitating diagnosis because I got to do this all over again. You know, my friends got back to their normal life as they should. You know, the excitement wasn't there anymore. I was running out of treatment options. And so that was a really scary moment for me. And I think the general perception of cancer in this world is that there are winners and there are losers. You either win against cancer and stay alive or you lose against cancer and you die. But the reality of my situation, millions of other people out there, is that there are live, people living with cancer, living with the fear that the cancer may return. And that's okay, too. And so I feel like when people describe cancer and what's that like, cancer is an interesting moment because it gives you an opportunity to look at your life up until that moment in a magnifying glass and you get to reassess and you get to make adjustments and that pack you make with yourself. Like if I survive this, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, now you actually can. So in some weird way, the diagnosis forced me to look inward and retrospect, make changes in my life that I could actually, you know, enact once I got through it. Yeah. And, you know, and pre-cancer, you know, you, you already were kind of living life to the fullest, you know, on Survivor. And, but I guess, like you said, there's that carpe diem that you even want to live life even fuller. Um, and so, you know, you, uh, a year afterwards, you're 
you run the Boston Marathon. Now, 10 years later, you're running it again. How important is it for, I mean, whether someone has cancer or other, other health issues to be active and to, to, you know, go out and do, you know, big challenges like a marathon? Sure. I mean, well, growing up a competitive athlete, former professional soccer player, you know, fitness was always a huge part of my life. So when I was diagnosed, I looked at this as almost like this is the biggest game of my life, right? So I actually gravitated towards exercise pre, during, and post cancer. And this was just something naturally I felt that helped me. And anyone exercising is a good thing, but especially for cancer patients, but because it increases um, and improves your outcomes. You know, you are stronger, you can sleep better. Um, the chemotherapy they're try starting to find is interacting better with your body when you exercise through cancer. And that's why I was so excited to partner with Active Against Cancer, because like I said, their mission is to ensure that exercise is an integral part of cancer treatments. And they are actually researching that right now at Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital. They got a $3.3 million grant where they're studying the effects of exercise on tumor growth and how the chemotherapy interacts with the body while going through cancer. And so for me, exercise has always been a huge part of my survivorship and I still do it today. And for me, running is freedom. You know, when you're locked in a box for an extended period of time, almost about to die. And then you look out the window and there are people are walking and running and jogging. You're like, I want to be there. I want to do that too. So that was my inspiration to get out of the hospital, get fit enough to go run something and put on a shoe and just run. It's freedom to me. That's what it means. Freedom and health and wellness. That's what running means to me. And do you, I mean, do you hope, what do you, you know, because you're a, a well-known person, you know, Ethan's on known from survivor, amazing race, all kinds of different things. Um, but, you know, do you hope that, you know, you having that platform now going back to run the Boston marathon and going to finish this time, you know, what, what do you hope people get out of that in terms of you know, inspiration or, you know, what, what, what do you want people to take from your event, you know, coming up in, in mid April? Well, yeah. Um, a lot of what I do in my life is to use sports to deliver important health messages. I did with grassroots soccer. I did with some cancer organizations. And now I'm doing it again here, working with True Leave Cannabis and Momenta because cannabis has been a huge part of my survivorship. And so now I've been training for this marathon while medicating on Momenta products. And so for me to be able to speak to those folks who might think cannabis is bad, it's a drug. It's a gateway. It's just, that's, it's not like that anymore. Like I'm standing here in a true leave dispensary in Florida, and we got so many medical patients coming in here to get their medicine, to help them with sleep, anxiety, hunger, pain, all those things that I was facing going through cancer and the things that I was facing after cancer, like anxiety and stress and fear. So I think it's a really interesting, um, way to deliver this health intervention by using cannabis, by running the Boston Marathon and just educating folks, erasing the stigma around cannabis um, and uh, working with a really powerful cancer company like Truly. Yeah, well, I, I think it's, it's an important story to tell because of the misconceptions that are out there. And uh, you were talking about you know, anxiety and fear. I'm sure you had some of that as a younger man uh, when you went um, you know, to compete on Survivor Africa. Um, I've, yeah. I've got the I've got the South Africa rugby jersey on right yeah, now. Yeah, honor of you as as a, you know a pro <laughs> soccer player, and and you were in Africa. So tell me about you know, kind of take me back because I'm sure you know um, you know looking. This was was it two decades ago, something like that. 
Yeah, two decades ago. <laughs> so uh, with grassroots soccer, you're talking about? Well, no, just with Survivor oh. Africa and 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 uh, and and doing that, and then like what it leads to in terms of you know, like you you have that had that platform. So talk about you know, how did you get on Survivor? Because I mean, it was a fairly <laughs> new show. I think this was the third season. Yes, you got to get in your time machine, go back to 2001. Wow. And uh, that's when I was chosen to be on uh, the show Survivor, which was filmed in Africa. So the way you actually got back then, the way you got on the show was you actually made a video. I did it on a VH VHS tape on two VCRs. <laughs> I was editing it back and forth. That's how long ago this was. And the funny thing is I was supposed to make a video for my friend and my friend was supposed to make a video for me, but I ran out of time to make it for my friend. So we just sent in my video. And then, of course, I get picked. So that was a fun experience. But the whole reason I tried out for Survivor in the first place was because of an epic chain of failures. I tried to play pro soccer again here in the U.S. Didn't work out. I was coaching, didn't love it, got an advertising job in New York City. And they basically fired me before I went in. And so I was just unemployed. Um, in between life choices, if you will, which I told my mom, uh, you're never unemployed. You're always in between life choices. That's what I tell everyone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just filled out, a, uh, filled out the application, sent in a video and just hope for the best because you never think it's going to be you. Yeah. And what, and, and what did it, did it live up to what you expected? I mean, obviously winning a million dollars when you're, you know, in your mid twenties is, is a huge deal, but just the experience itself being out there and competing, you know, outwit, outplay, you know, that kind of thing. Definitely. I mean, like you said, there's only two seasons prior to mine. So there wasn't that much reality TV or even survivor going on in the world at that time. You know, we averaged 27 million viewers a week. So it was a huge deal. And this show is a show and a game that touches on every part of you as human being, mental, physical, social, spiritual, environmental, even financial. So that was really exciting for me because coming in as a, you know, an athlete, I love the challenges. I love pushing your body to the limit. I love the, the social strategy within the game. And so I felt if I could do well at this, then there's nothing that I can't do well at in life in general, because Survivor is a game of relationships. It's one big 39 day networking event. It's how you can sell yourself and your ideas to the other people. And to be able to do that um, on a television show on the world stage with millions of people watching like that, like that, like uh, I thrive off moments like that in soccer. I'm a goalkeeper, right? You ever want to hate you or they love you. There's like no in between. And so <laughs> I like those, those high stress, you know, you know, big moments uh, in my life. And survivor was one of those. I was never really too concerned with the money. Like, obviously that was a driving factor, but not the whole reason I went on the show, it was, you know, to have this experience, to have this adventure, to push my body to the limit and see what would happen if I really could survive the elements. So for all those reasons, you know, Survivor was just uh, a natural direction to go in. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you were drawn back in, uh, I think winners at war, unfortunately got blindsided if I remember uh, correctly. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so, I mean, are you still correct. a fan of the show today? I mean, do you still, you know, keep track of it and, and kind of uh, follow it? Because I mean, you obviously now with this, you know, uh, you know, 20, 30 seasons, you know, people have that, all that to see and like, okay, I should play, use this kind of strategy. You know? Definitely. So season 40, 
was uh, filmed in 2019 and they asked back 20 of the most popular winners to compete for not one, but $2 million. <laughs> and so coming out of retirement after 16 years to play the game again was a challenge. That's for sure. You know, I had to get ready mentally and physically, of course, to go play that game. Um, but I, I think the game's fantastic. I love the game. I'm obviously gravitate more towards the old school style of play because that's just where I came from. But the game is, it's not either better or worse. It's just different. You know, the game is 26 days now. There's hidden clues and idols and uh, ways to get back into the game. On season 40, there was actually a currency where you could buy stuff. And so the game has evolved in such a way that it's just... It's just different. And I, when I played on season 40, you know, it didn't go so well for me. Spoiler alert, I got voted off fourth and went to the edge of extinction, which is a whole, it's like the worst place on earth. It's like purgatory in the South Pacific and Jeff Probst loves it. You know, he wants to torture you as much as possible. So there's no food, there's very little water. You know, I lost 30 pounds in 35 days. So, uh, but the game is exciting. I love the casting. The characters are so dynamic this season. Um, and I just think uh, it's, it's still a family-friendly show that people like to tune into on Wednesday nights. And the interesting thing about when I played this most recent time was that there's social media. First time I played, there was no social media or it was just starting. Maybe there's a chat room or two and same with all-star. So now coming back and you get to be on this show with the real time feedback, you can connect with the people who love the show as well. You can like talk with them. It, that was a whole new experience for me when in previous years, you actually had to leave your house and go someplace for an appearance or whatnot. And now it's just all happening right there in front of your eyes instantly. So it's been really fun to be able to communicate and chat and connect with the fans out there that love the show Survivor. And speaking of that, you were talking about it earlier, you know, uh, that connection and the fact that the world is introduced to Ethan Zahn and, and you become this celebrity, you know, and, and you're using that to, to help promote things that you care about, you know, whether it be, you know, soccer or helping youth. So, I mean, what does that mean to you? Because as a, as a former pro soccer player to be able to kind of like, hey, be kind of an ambassador of the game as well. Feels great. You know, I'm incredibly fortunate and lucky to have a little bit of a platform you know, and having some background in media on TV. And so it's, I guess it's a, another wonderful opportunity. And I sometimes feel like, you know, especially with the cancer stuff, being able to share my story and feel that the details of my life may help someone else out there has made it rewarding because when I was diagnosed, I searched everywhere. I didn't see anyone that looked like me that was going through cancer, a young guy, athletic, you know, um, it just wasn't out there. You have older adults, you have pediatrics. So to be able to share my story and open up my life to these folks out there has been a blessing because um, I think focusing on the challenges of another human being can help you heal as a human being. So in the middle of my nightmare, in the middle of my cancer diagnosis, I try to use that crisis as an opportunity to help some other folks out there. So in terms of being on a platform, it gets just back to kind of sharing important health messages through sports. And uh, I think it's, you know, the most effective tool we have as a cancer community or anyone is to share your story. Because the more we share your story, the more people know what cancer is really like and what we're going through. And that can affect change and it can get people to act and take action.
And you uh, also, you know, founded Grassroots Soccer. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what that means in terms of what you guys do and, and why it's so important. Sure. Well, before Survivor, I lived and played professional soccer in Zimbabwe. And um, while I was in Zimbabwe, this is really the first time I saw how kind of HIV and AIDS was just destroying this community that I was now a part of. You know, I saw the pain and suffering. I had compassion for all these people touched by this single disease. But at that time in my life, 27 years old, before Survivor, like, I don't know, what, what could I do about it? What could one person do to help this massive problem in all of Africa? And so I didn't do anything about it. But it stuck with me. It's that in the back of my head. And I kept reading about the stats going on in Africa. And then I was chosen to be on Survivor. And once again, I was brought back to Africa, this time to Kenya, where I won this reward challenge, won these two goats, which I wasn't so happy about. Uh, but I got to take these goats <laughs> to this little village of Wamba. And before I left this village of Wamba, I was hanging out in the parking lot of Wamba Hospital with Lex. And all these little Kenyan children came out. And they're touching my white skin. They're playing with my hair. They'd never seen anyone like me before. And that's when I busted out my luxury item. Remember when we had the luxury items? Yeah. Which was a little mini soccer ball. It was a hacky sack. And I just started playing hacky sack with all these kids. And we're laughing and we're smiling. We're connecting to this sport that we both love and a language that we understand. And before I left the, the parking lot, I asked one of the nurses, I'm like, why are these kids just hanging out in the parking lot of a hospital? And she looked at me and she said, well, these are the kids that are HIV positive. So here I was in the middle of this game, this cutthroat game of Survivor and had that real life experience. And it was in that moment I decided that something has to be done. So when I got back from Survivor, I used that money, met up with some soccer buddies of mine, and we co-founded Grassroots Soccer. And Grassroots Soccer is an adolescent health organization that's using the power of soccer to educate, inspire, and mobilize young people to overcome their greatest health challenges and live healthier, more productive lives. And we are in um, 60 countries now, and we've graduated about 13 million kids from the program, all from a little reality show. So, uh, you know, people think reality TV is bad. Not the case. There are some good things that can come out of it. Yes. Thank, thank you to Mark Burnett and, and Jeff Probst for, yes. for help, helping along the way with this. <laughs> Definitely. And I'm always emailing saying, like, thank you so much, because it was literally because of Probst, because of Burnett, that I was on the show and I could now uh, do all these wonderful things in my life. Yeah, I, I actually I went on a mission trip with our church uh, more than a decade ago to Haiti about a year after the earthquake oh, there. Yeah. And I have a similar experience where, you know, me and a buddy, you know, had a soccer ball and he actually gave some of his cleats away to the kids. And, and we're in like these dirt streets amidst yeah. like almost a million people living in tents. And you go out and they have a deflated soccer ball and they're just playing away and having a great time. It's just it's almost like sport can be transcendent to whatever situation you're going through or, or, or no matter where you are in the world, especially I think, you know, and you can speak to this some is, is soccer is this yep. international sport that it's kind of like speaking a language, right? Definitely. I mean, soccer is the world's most popular sport. If you wrap all the major league and minor league sports in America into one, that's how popular soccer is. Like every little boy and girl in Africa, probably around the world wants to grow up to be a professional soccer player. And so if you take a soccer ball and you throw it down on any street corner and in the world, you're instantly going to have 25 friends. So this is a sport that breaks down barriers, builds trust, that gives you instant access into a community. And it gives us, like grassroots soccer, the opportunity to educate these kids so they can make smarter choices in life. And it yes. really is a powerful tool. Sports is a powerful tool to deliver health interventions. And, uh, you know, once getting back to truly even momentum, that's kind of why I'm doing this because uh, I feel like cannabis is just a huge part of my wellness journey. 
it helped bring me back to balance in my life and I'm using it now to exercise. And I think uh, everyone out there, you know, should consider it. Like there, there are times where I was crushing like six Advil. I was taking a three-time caffeine goo gel at mile 18. You know, I was taking baths and bath salts after like, that's, that's fine. However, I can also get the same effects when using different forms of cannabis and CBD, which is from the earth. It's a plant. And so I feel kind of gravitating a little bit more towards plant-based wellness uh, has been a huge help in my, you know, fitness and my survivorship and my mental health. And, and speaking of like the kind of the going through the pain and kind of like you said, crushing the Advil and all that kind of stuff, you were, you know, from a soccer perspective, you were a goalie and maybe you still yeah. go out there and, and, uh, and tend the net sometimes uh, perhaps, but uh, what's that like? Because that is a uh, extremely lonely um, and kind of, you know, very high, very low kind of position. I imagine it is. It, goalkeeper is a lonely position. That's funny that you said that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you can probably hear my body creaking during this interview right now, but uh, yeah, being a goalkeeper, you are different than all the other players. People say goalkeepers are crazy because you need to hurl your body and your face and your hands at the feet of oncoming attackers, throw yourself into track traffic when people are coming and doing that. But you get to see the whole field. You're the conductor. You get to organize everything. And that's the part I like. You know, I see where we go from the defense and talking to my defenders, to the midfield, to the striker. It all starts with the goalkeeper. So I like to be in that position. Um, on the flip side, I could have the best game of my life and we still lose one nothing and everyone hates you. And no one remembers that. Um, so that's the downside of being a goalkeeper. Yeah. And, you know, you were, you also talked earlier about kind of whether it be, you know, soccer or a marathon or uh, fighting cancer or really anything in your life, you know, um, doing things physical are important, but mental strength is just as, if not more important. So for you, you know, how do you, you know, prepare for, you know, whether it be a marathon or anything else, you know, mentally and, and, and for, for you as well, does, does faith play a role in terms of you're talking to how survivors also a spiritual game as well. So how does the mental and the, and the faith, you know, that, that part of it uh, tie in for you? Yeah. So mentally, um, I'm a big, I do a lot of visualization techniques um, for my mental strategies when preparing for a big event or a big sporting event. And that happens with, um, you know, all sports, soccer, you know, I'd visualize myself going through a proper warm up, making saves, communicating with the rest of the team, uh, running, you know, I definitely, I watch a video, you can watch a high speed video of the course of Boston. So I'll watch that video. I get in my mind where the elevation is. So I definitely do a lot of mental preparation leading into big events. Um, you know, CBD cannabis helps with that as well, because I'm, you know, got a little anxiety. I'm a, a high stress guy, you know, it's in my blood. Uh, but when it comes, when talking about faith, um, you know, I, I can't, say that I've leaned into my faith in and around sporting events. Obviously, when I was sick, I would look up and say like, you know, why me? Why is this happening to me? Those type of things. Um, however, I can't say that, you know, faith has been a big part of my journey when playing sports. 
I think especially with the COVID pandemic, I think it has highlighted it even more of just wellness overall, you know, spiritual, physical, mental, that kind of thing. And uh, you're, you're now, you know, uh, you're talking about, you know, how uh, cannabis has, you know, um, you know, changed your life. So how did you get involved with that in terms of being like a holistic uh, cannabis wellness advocate, I guess, in a sense, you know, so how did you get involved with that and, and why? Yeah, I think I touched on it earlier, but when I was going through cancer, um, I was being pumped full of a lot of synthetic medicine prescribed and they helped me like, trust me, I am a firm believer in Western medicine, chemotherapy, radiation, all that stuff saved my life. However, I was on this vicious cycle of just consuming a lot of pills just to get to bed at night. And I do it again in the morning. And I just wasn't happy with that cycle or I could have, you know, one uh, edible of a, you know, had cannabis in it. And that would make, you know, help me less anxiety. I could sleep better. The pain would go away. I was a lot more fun to be around. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, and so I just felt for me, it was just a, a, a better path for me to lean on something that's uh, more natural and plant-based. Um, so I was able to get off some of the pills and kind of supplement that with cannabis and CBD. And then post cancer, like I said, you know, when I was kind of off all the pills, um, then I kind of was struck with a bad case of like anxiety and fear um, to a debilitating capacity. And so that's, again, when I leaned more into the cannabis and CB to help with those sides, side effects. And so any, um, any anxiety heading into the Boston Marathon? I mean, again, you were there. <laughs> I got a lot of anxiety and, going into it. <laughs> I mean, you're in, you're, I think you talked about how you're kind of in the, what we call the taper mode now, which means fewer yeah. miles. And uh, so, but you're enjoying lots of food and still staying active, I guess, in the midst of this, yeah. you know, uh, a week out. Yeah, working out for me means you get to pig out. So that's kind of fun. But yeah, I'm just uh, taking care of my body right now, hydrating, stretching, sleeping well, uh, and just, you know, mentally preparing for the big race. You know, I don't have any major goals. And, you know, I want to finish. I want to finish injury free. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy the moment. Um, I want to be able to, you know, answer questions about, uh, you know, cannabis and momentum while I'm running. So I can't run too fast because I'll be out of breath, right? So I'm going to do a nice, easy pace and uh, there'll be cheering. They're having truly cheering sections for me. So I'm just really excited for all of it. If you want to run New York, my charity grassroots soccer, we have 25 charity spots. So if you don't get in off the uh, lottery and you're interested in running for a charity, uh, you granted instant access. It's a $3,000 fundraising requirement, but you get a number, you get in the race. We have uh, 25 team members. I think we have 17, um, filled so far. Yeah. And so uh, any, you know, uh, maybe could you be, see yourself on survivor in the future, maybe uh, a season like 50 or, or 65 or something like that, <laughs> man, like, you know, it's one of those things. It's like a marathon. You don't remember the bad parts of the marathon. You always yeah. remember the good parts, like finishing and starting. So, uh, survivors the same way. Like when I went back out on season 2004 all-stars and then back in 40 like i'm like oh why am i here this sucks this is so horrible i'm cold i'm hungry i'm tired i don't want to do this anymore so it's like that it's like childbirth it's like running a marathon like you forget about the bad moments um so with survivor i told jeff probes hey buddy lose my number i'm never coming back but you never know. I might forget about the bad parts. And uh, if there's some crazy 50th anniversary season that they want me back, 
I'll probably consider it, but I don't know. I'll be I'll be old by then, like older, like a lot of I'll have a full gray hair. You know? Well, if you can if you can run a, if you can run a marathon, I mean, you can you can do Survivor, right? No, marathon you run straight. That's it. You don't have any decisions to make. You're just running. You just got to finish this Survivor. There's so much else going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, thank you so much, Ethan, for uh, being generous with your time and and uh, kind of giving us some inspiration about you know running and, and cancer and and uh, you know the being healthy, you know, with what you put into your body. So we we appreciate it. And wish you Godspeed. You know, all the best of luck uh, running Boston. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So cool that Ethan. Uh, this great uh, survivor player is using that platform, that celebrity, to promote you know important things uh, and it comes to health. You know, not not just you know cannabis and uh, dealing with overcoming cancer, but also you know uh, promoting soccer and fitness and uh, being active and and grassroots soccer, which is bringing that sport and wellness. And, uh, you know, to, to people that need it and helping kids that don't have the health resources they need all across the country. And to think that started, you know, when he was a pro soccer player in Zimbabwe, then to that uh, pinnacle moment at a, as a reward on his first uh, Survivor Africa season, season three, more than 20 years ago. So some great stories from Ethan Zahn, and we wish him all the best. Godspeed at the Boston Marathon coming up this coming Monday, April 18th. And uh, so now I'm going to talk a little bit about my marathon that I had recently. And in honor of uh, Jeff Probst, I'll say, uh, come on in, guys. Um, <laughs> and I uh, want to know what you're playing for. Well, I played uh, the Go St. Louis Marathon for that medal at the very end, that finish line after 26.2 miles. Uh, so um, I went to the expo the day before, and um, they had uh, a few uh, running uh, kiosks, that kind of thing, with some gear and everything. But it was a lot of biking and hiking and Missouri-type gear and things like that. Um, we, uh, we loved the city of St. Louis, my son and I getting to go to the arch, the, uh, gateway arch, which is 630 feet high and, and, uh, getting to go to little, on a little tram to the top of that to see out. Well, we stayed at a hotel. It was about a mile or so jog or walk for me from the hotel to the start line of the marathon, which was on a Sunday morning. This was at Forest Park is where it started, which if you didn't know, that, uh, is a park that's bigger than Central Park in New York City and was the, uh, home. Uh, to one of the first World's Fairs. So Forest Park has a lot of history to it. We ran from there, kind of weaving through and ended up in downtown St. Louis. The half marathoners were with, her, with us for the first 13 miles, and we separated from them. The weather was pretty good. It was 50s and low 60s. And um, so uh, there was about nearly 900 marathon finishers overall. I was uh, middle of the pack in my age group, so a middle of the pack out of the 60 men that are ages 45 to 49 that finished that marathon. And uh, my final time, 4.01.52. Uh, my previous best marathon was a 4.06 and some change. Uh, so my pace was about 9.14 a mile. And uh, if you take away the water stations and stops that I did along the way, I was probably running at about a nine-minute-per-mile pace in terms of just the running. Now, one thing, and I don't necessarily have regret because I feel very happy about my time, but I did have a bathroom break, a porta potty during the race. I tried to stop at a couple of them, but there was a line of about three people who didn't want to lose time. So uh, I lost probably about at least 90 seconds 
that porta potty bathroom break during the race. And so um, who knows if I had not uh, stopped and gone to the bathroom, maybe I would have broken four hours. But there's always time for that for the future. But uh, a successful Go St. Louis Marathon, I recommend you doing that. It's about a 10-hour drive for me from Columbus, Georgia. Maybe you're closer to it. And it's, it's near other big cities like Chicago and Nashville and Memphis. And so uh, go check it out. Um, great one, to uh, if you're, especially if you're doing all 50 states like me and uh, knocking out Missouri. That is my 18th state uh, in the last, uh, I guess it's been five and a half, six years. So well on my way. Well, I'm now turning to, uh, I'm going to get Boston Marathon, hopefully, one day. We'll, we'll get there. I'll, I'll join you, Ethan, uh, in, in the future, hopefully. Turning now to our final segments of the podcast, a parting gift from the Bible that again, deals with survival, and also food for thought uh, deals with the, uh, the, some of the interesting facts about the Boston Marathon. Well, as Jeff Probst from Survivor would say, I'll go tally the votes. <laughs> well, we're tallying uh, how many people are running the Boston Marathon uh, coming up this uh, coming Monday. And Boston.com says approximately 30,000 runners are expected in Hopkinton to start the 126th race, the Boston Marathon, the famed one that you have to uh, have a, a, a certain time to qualify for unless you want to raise you know, $10,000 or $5,000 for different charities as a way to get in. And uh, I know I think for my my age group, uh, late 40s men, you have to finish a marathon in like 315, 320 to be able to even just qualify to run Boston. So the marathon is going to return to its familiar waves start format this year. The October race uh, back, you know, last fall used a rolling start because of the COVID protocols to space out their 20,000 athletes. Um, and so now it's uh, things are, have improved in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic. Vaccination is required. That's a requirement this year for the Boston Marathon. Start times uh, go all the way from 9 a.m. until 11.15 a.m. So if you get started a little later, like, you know, at lunchtime, then you're going to be running until the middle or later in the afternoon and be a little warmer, perhaps, even in Boston. In terms of some of the folks that you may know that are running the Boston Marathon, there's some celebrities that are planning to run, including including NASCAR driver Matt Kenseth, U.S. women's national soccer team players Heather O'Reilly and Leslie Osborne, the Bachelorette contestant Zach Clark and Bachelor star Matt James, New England Patriots radio voice Bob Sochi, and also bombing survivor Adrian Hazlitt, who will be accompanied by Olympian Shalane Flanagan as her support runner. So congrats uh, to uh, Hazlitt for doing that. Uh, it's such a, a great thing to do, you know, um, nine years after that uh, fatal bombing, uh, the terrorist attack. And Shalane Flanagan, great for her to do that as well. So, uh, and we wish, uh, you know, Ethan's on and all those tens of thousands of runners, just run your best, enjoy the journey of the Boston Marathon. Our parting gift, since we're talking about survival and survivors, uh, this comes from Nahum 17. says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. So we all face troubles in life, whether you're on a show like Survivor, uh, battling cancer, or just, you know, in your regular life. All of us, you know, face face trouble. You know, it could be, you know, uh, big valleys, big hilltops, whatever. Um, but uh, if you take refuge in the Lord, then, uh, you know, he knows those people and, and he's good and he will take care of you. Closing now in prayer, dear God, I just thank you for helping us survive every single day with your love, your grace, your mercy, uh, your strength 
to, to us to be able to move um, and to be able to, to think and to, to be kind and love others. And uh, God, we just uh, we pray that you will go help us to do more than just survive, but to thrive um, and as, as you would want us to live, to have a joy that is beyond, uh, it's unspeakable, uh, only through you. In your name we pray, amen. So thank you so much again for joining us for the Run the Race podcast, which you can find on WTVM.com slash podcast, all 104 or so episodes. And we're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, also on Apple. And if you're on Apple, if you're listening to this, and uh, go to my Run the Race page there with all the episodes, uh, scan real quick to the bottom, and you'll see a chance to click five stars and give me a quick review, a, a couple sentences. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Be honest. You know, we can take criticism here. And uh, we appreciate you listening. There's a lot of choices out there in podcast land. And uh, Ethan was great to talk to us. And uh, I'm definitely uh, even more of a fan of his now. And uh, maybe, who knows, maybe he'll you know play Survivor in the future or some other show. Uh, but we know that he is going to do great crossing the finish line at the Boston Marathon. And uh, until the next race, uh, I'll give you a recap then as well. So uh, have a good one, everybody.